All right, welcome back. And now we got Mayor Jim Langfelder in studio, and we are ready to roll. It's good because we have a lot to talk about, Mayor. Welcome to the program. Great to have you here. You too. Thanks for having me. Well, we've uh, we've got you here on the day after an eventful uh, Springfield City Council meeting, a rare Wednesday meeting. Uh, the big thing, obviously, was the uh, the vote again rejecting the zoning change for the Wyndham City Center to convert it into a mix of apartments and hotel rooms. Uh, what we were last told was that means the current owner is just going to turn the whole thing into government subsidized low income housing. So let's let's take this from the beginning here. Why? Why has this failed now two votes in a row and where do we go from here well the uh, the what we tried to do is go back to the table and have it for reconsideration which we thank the council for doing that you know it takes uh, someone from the dissenting side to do so alderman hanauer and dissents were away so uh, i think it was alderman redpath that made that motion uh, can i ask about that by the way sure. two aldermen gone did that have to happen last night could you have waited until you had a, a full slate of aldermen there well, it's the uh, next city council meeting. Uh, so I think we could have probably waited till the maybe the region or the zoning portion, which have been the next uh, mm-hmm. third Tuesday of the month. Yeah. But uh, we we're under the August 10th uh, deadline that the current owner had with a uh, note. He's got a bank note, right? Yeah. And so that's what was driving the whole I situation. Gotcha. Okay. And so uh, we had you know a vigorous discussion. Uh, you know, really thank um, you know the supporters like Ryan McCready came and you know uh, vetted to a greater degree or. Uh, another degree with what we've done and i think that added to the element of positivity and then you had uh, dsi you know reaffirming their commitment towards it and then michael higgins who was you know not a strong supporter but he he turned and he gave a great uh, passion speech about downtown and he's been uh, one that could speak to that he's been there for decades but uh, you know what changed was it went from 80 hotel rooms to 100 and it brought down the uh, the apartment side from 320 to 300 and so uh, you know we the options were this one is uh, he was going to keep the hotel rooms open operating as a window and uh, that was important give them a refresh look and then do the apartment side and then the other option too was if uh, we wanted he would go for a uh, Marriott or a Hilton flag, but in order to do that, you probably had to close down the hotel because they don't want to fly their flag on a building under construction. And then uh, the other option, which they chose, was the uh, you know go against it in its entirety. But I did also say, well, another option if you're not comfortable with the hundred rooms, make an amendment. Uh, you know the developer hasn't agreed to it, but you always can amend and say we want 125 hotel rooms. 275 uh, apartments, and then leave it at that, and then he has to decide whether or not he wants to move that direction. Why, and let, let's stop for just a moment. Sure. Why is the number of hotel rooms so important? Because there are lots of places where you may go for a convention, whatever it might be, where you might not be staying exactly where you're attending events and things. And so if we don't have more than 100 rooms or, or 80 rooms in the Wyndham, we have... Lots of other hotels in Springfield. Is that really such a deal breaker? Well, that's what, well, evidently to the council members that voted against it, it must have been. But uh, the bottom line for the developer, that's what his point was exactly, that we're at 50-some percent occupancy. You have that change, and now it changes the occupancy for everybody, Uh, you know, uh, the boat, you know, the tide raises all boats, so to speak. And so... uh, 
uh, and but there's back and forth. The concern is uh, the having a large presence downtown, and that's what the uh, when we sell these conventions, if they're booking up the Hilton and the uh, Lincoln Hotel downtown, they're kind of sold as a pair along with the convention center. So that was a concern. But we, you know, talked with the state. And are we promising House conventions that they will have rooms downtown? I, I got the impression from the discussion uh, at the meeting that uh, in effect these these conventions could look at as sort of a, a breach of our promise if they don't. Have have those available rooms right across the street. Well, we'll look at those agreements. I think there's, you know, there's nothing you can do if the property sold. Yeah. You know, there's no guarantee from that standpoint. Uh, what they would probably allow, if it's in the contract, it probably allows them a chance to move the conference. But if your conference is coming up in the next year, chances of that happening are pretty slim. Right. Uh, but from that standpoint, that's why we reached out to State House Inn, or Scott Dahl did, and find out if their dates are available. And that's where, you know, he said, we started at 25 impacted conventions. With those rooms combined with uh, the 100, it brought it down to about nine. And then if we, you know, if they would have amended it to 125 and it was acceptable, it'd even go uh, lower. But the argument, as you brought up, is, okay, what about the new owner? If he just wants to run it as apartments? And he's operating at a loss because the hotel's not making money. And so he says, I can, you know, cut that portion of expenses out and just operate as an apartment and make money and move that direction and have financing accordingly. And that's what David Mitchell was trying to have that model. What's that proper hybrid to move forward successfully? So where do we stand now with this being voted down again? Have you had any contact with Al Rajabi, who is the current owner of the Wyndham City Center and the guy who says he'll just turn the whole thing into government subsidized low-income housing. Is that still the plan? Is there any possibility of having some different outcome before that banknote comes due next week? Well, I did uh, go over there, made a beeline after that four-hour meeting, and uh, went over. He was there, and so I talked to Al Rajabi and uh, Scott Larson. And um, interestingly enough, there was a gentleman there from, I think he called it Empowerment, and that's who is working with him on this housing initiative that, uh, you know, supposedly lock it up for like 40 years as the apartment side. Uh, but that's not his intent. He really likes Springfield. Uh, you know, if he said he didn't like Springfield, he'd just take off and cut his losses and be done with it. Uh, but, you know, he's not that type of person. He want, He's going to retain the property or sell it. And so that part's out the window, you know, with some say, oh, well, bank take it over and get someone to run it. No, that's not going to happen. He's going to keep the property and decide what to do. So this morning I talked with uh, David Mitchell and asked if he'd still be interested. But what we have and to David do... And David Mitchell's with the developers out of New York that wanted good to, homes. to do yep. the combo of hotel mm-hmm. rooms and right. market rate apartments. Right. And if you want to uh, see what uh, type of apartments he's looking at it's um vivo v-i-v-o uh they're the kind of the competitor but they're more in what al rajabi compared them to is more like a super eight where he's bringing in a high-end type of establishment and moving that direction and he's uh, you know that's what ryan mccrady codified last night and said you know uh, rhode island uh, i can't remember the city that he's doing business with but they're very happy with the uh, you know the job and what he's doing in their city uh so that's what we what we need to do is uh the next time to do it is probably take us a few months, put everything together. And that's why I said we need to check the boxes, put the whole financial package together along with the zoning and take it through the regular processes instead of doing it the reverse, uh, which we recommended originally. But uh, we'll go that route and see uh, what we come up with and hopefully end in a positive note. But do you have a few months that note comes due in, in a matter of days? Well, that's what... Uh, 
We're going to get back to David Mitchell. He wanted to know what the schedule would be, um, and uh, we'd have to work diligently. And he he has to determine whether or not he wants to spend his time and uh, resources on Springfield, or does he want to, you know, cut his losses and his time and effort to move forward or but, move elsewhere, I should say. And, and I'm sorry if I'm being uh, obtuse with this, but mm-hmm. uh, but Rajabi, the current owner, right. he's got to make a decision by August 10th. Right. And uh, if, if he decides, okay, uh, I can't continue to operate this as a hotel, I can't keep losing money on it, I'm going to go the government-subsidized housing route, is that a reversible decision? Uh, I mean, if he's got to refinance this note in, in less than a week, how, how do you overcome that? Well, uh, it's my understanding David Mitchell has their contract together ends Friday, tomorrow. So they have to make that determination if they're going to extend his contract. And uh, that's I think that's the decision he has to make. Now, how and I, if they uh, extend the contract, would that satisfy the bank that holds the current note on the Wyndham City Center? <laughs> well, that's the catch-22. You know, it's uh, Al-Rajabi's call. You know, does he operate as is or does he shut it down who knows and you know people say you know they talk about the utility bill and we have a lien on the property everybody knew november 2021 what was happening and uh we have it where he pays his usage of electricity and water uh with that lien so when it's refinanced or sold we're covered but the other side of it people forget is we have our communications tower on top of the building so that's our 911 system or, yeah. you know, the police and all our – that's our communication system. So uh, that's the other part of the equation, and it's a free air rights to us to operate it up top of their building. So that's the caveat that we get a benefit from, um, you know, that we don't want going by the wayside. So it sounds like Friday is the critical day on this, tomorrow, the critical day on this as to figuring out – what happens next? Right, really to figure out if uh, David Mitchell's interested, uh, you know, if he wants to spend that time and energy because, you know, it's no fun saying no, and it's not a good look for Springfield or for him. You know, he's he's putting himself out there each time, and so he has to feel comf- comfortable or confident in, uh, you know, the timeline that we set forward, and, uh, you know, if we feel that we can get to a successful yes uh, with the mix, proper mix that everybody's comfortable with. Will you block out a little time tomorrow afternoon around this time to just get on the phone and give us an update because sure, this I, thing could move yeah. just minute to minute. Right. One, one last question sure. on this. How, how is it that it would require a, a zoning variance to have a mix of apartments and hotel rooms at Wyndham, but it doesn't require a zoning variance for him to turn the whole thing into apartments? That that Well, makes... he can he can turn it into two. It's zoned for 200 apartments, 200 hotel rooms. So he can just operate his apartments if he's so chose. But, but only as 200, he can't right. have more than than 200. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And so if he just opts to not have any hotel rooms at all and has no more than 200 apartments, the zoning covers that. Uh, that's to my knowledge. Yes. That seems like a weird way to have zoned that building. Yeah. yeah. And what's uh, really, well, it's the environment. You have to look what's happening across. When he brought up Vegas, I think, uh, you know, um, last night, David Mitchell said, well, I've done it in Vegas. You know, Vegas is changing hotel rooms into apartments. That's kind of tells you the sign that, you know, because you would think Vegas, all that activity, a lot of tourism, a lot of hotel yeah. rooms. Uh, what we have here is kind of an anomaly because, you know, Springfield, 115,000 people, but we have this, you know, as was called a big box hotel, 400, that's uh, 400 hotel rooms. It's kind of uh, larger than the 
uh, you would see in a city our size. Yeah. But but Springfield is also not Vegas. Vegas, oh, the, yeah, the, no the metro area it. is 2 million people. Mm-hmm. No doubt. So, you know, I don't know that that's really an apples to apples well, comparison. Well, it's 133,000. Proper, right, but, right. It's, but the metro area is 2 oh, million. Yeah, no doubt. We're, we're, you know, we're, yep. we're not Vegas. You know, as was pointed out last night, I think by Alderman Donnellan, we're not Vegas. But so. what it shows is that you would think that area would demand hotels. Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder is here with us. Mayor also last night at the meeting, a lengthy discussion about uh, Enos Park, the Enos Park neighborhood. Uh, and this is a, a fairly complicated and there's a long history to to all of this. But essentially it was for the city uh, to put up a couple hundred thousand dollars plus to uh, to repurchase some of the properties over there because the Neighborhood Association, which was initially you know going to try to do all of this, uh, has run into some some uh, financial difficulties doing all this as well. Um, and this was a really interesting debate. Even uh, Alderman John Fulgenzi got pretty emotional, actually, talking about uh, the ups and downs of the Enos Park neighborhood, something clearly near and dear to his heart. Uh, so give us the, the real quick assessment of where we are and what happens if aldermen don't come back and uh, approve this money uh, and just leave it up to the Neighborhood Association to sink or swim on its own. Well, if it's left up to the Neighborhood Association, uh, it's my understanding that, uh, you know, they've reached the end of the rope, so to speak, and then uh, the properties probably go back to tax sale. And so that's why they're asking for the assistance. And we approached them uh, probably about three years ago to come up with, we wanted to put them under a land bank. Uh, the city would uh, acquire them at that point in time. That way they wouldn't have to pay property taxes since it's, a, you know, the city would own them. Unfortunately, they didn't go that route, and, of course, the bill keeps running up, but they've taken care of these properties. These didn't start out as uh, vacant properties. They're dilapidated housing. They help clean up the neighborhood. Uh, you know, you drive through it now, and it's totally different from what they started decades ago because this started back in the 80s, 90s, and they continued their efforts. And so this is one way that, you know, they're just volunteers. This is one way that we can uh, really help them out and uh you know they were working for free essentially but they have turned around the enos park neighborhood which is one of our oldest neighborhoods that's what john fulgenzi was relaying and it's you know our medical area right now we have a plan that we're working on that would integrate downtown's plan with the medical area and take in part of enos park and when you have properties available, you should keep them together uh, because developers are looking for multiple parcels, not just one parcel here or there. And so from that aspect, it really makes sense to move in that direction. If it does uh, wind up going to just tax sale and the parcels being sold off one at a time, is that inherently a bad thing for the neighborhood and for the city? Well, it can be, you know, the, going from history, we've had outside entities, you know, from different states buy property speculatively. And, uh, you know, we end up cutting the grass and finding them and it's a vicious circle. So, uh, you know, it's not bad if someone buys it and put something there. But what we found is a lot of times it's more for the speculation side of things, not for development. But we are moving to the point where uh, we have some developers that might do multifamily unit housing there. And, um, you know, that's what we'd like to do. And this kind of ties into uh, we 
announced that we have a Harvard fellow. And, uh, you know, I presented the whole block redevelopment uh, housing initiative where we would take a look at a block and we would take a dilapidated house and restore it. And then when you do that, you look at, you assess the whole block. So if there's homeowners in there that qualify for assistance and want to upgrade their housing, you know, if it's a roof or whatever the case may be, we'd help with that. Uh, the other thing is for, for infill development. And so the Harvard fellow is going to help with that initiative on the east side. But the reason Harvard selected us out of, you know, we were only one of seven cities selected for a major project like this is so it can be modeled else, elsewhere. So just not in Springfield at Enos Park or other areas, but also throughout the country. Uh, the argument against this from the alderman last night was that we've already put up money for this project. And this is really the textbook definition of throwing good money after bad and paying twice, essentially, for the same group of properties here. So uh, how, how do you respond to that? Well, that's with the, uh, you know, we're moving forward in a positive manner. And what should have happened, we should have taken before and after pictures if everybody knew what would happen through time. And I think they'd have a different opinion of that. Uh, but regardless, we have a plan that we're working towards. You have a lot of support through the hospitals, uh, through the SSGA, through uh, the foundation, um, you know, the medical district. And really, it it. We, it'd be an opportunity squandered if we don't do it uh, and progress. Uh, what it would do is, I think personally, I would think we take steps backwards because now we have to buy up parcels instead of uh, owning them ourselves and controlling the destiny of those parcels. We still could put them out for sale, and if there's a legitimate buyer that has a project in mind, we can go ahead and sell it. Uh, but it gives us that opportunity, uh, working with the medical community, working with Enos Park, and moving in a positive direction. Then rather just uh, rolling the dice and you don't know what's going to happen. Do you bring it back in two weeks and uh, do you think you can get the votes to, to make this happen? Well, we uh, hope that the council members that wanted us to continue this and not take the vote, uh, we hope they hold true to their word because it seemed like everybody seemed to be leaning towards a yes. They just wanted to know uh, what are the options for the funding sources. So hopefully they understand the importance of it. They understand the outcry from the various uh, stakeholders and the general public that are very interested in the inner city. All right, still a lot more to get to with Mayor Jim Langfelder this afternoon. Let's get right back into it. Uh, Mayor, more action from the Springfield City Council approving another 285000 or so for yet another study related to uh, uh, a, a supplemental water supply and how it fits into recreational needs and things. And, and I, I just got to ask, and I think I speak for the whole community, another study? I, I right. mean, at, at what point is, is enough enough? And we just have to make a decision on this. That's our point exactly. We uh, had a discussion probably for a year argumenting our point of view that we felt there wasn't any need for additional studies of the recreational part of it because it was listed in the original EIS, uh, you know, the original statement. And so, uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, the Army Corps is the ultimate ruler. And uh, they said, well, you need to do the one. We did the recreational analysis through the University of Illinois, and they showed the need. And then so the study is the next part of it. And uh, they the schedule that they sent out, of course, it's subject to change. But as of this point in time, the record of decision would be at the end of next year is what they project. I, I realize we'll have a new city council in place by then, but is there any reason to think that even if the Army Corps of Engineers finally, after all this time, says, yeah, sure, you can do it, that the council is going to be willing to put up the money and approve the increase in water rates and everything else that goes along with it to, to build this lake? Yeah, I think... Uh 
there will be the outcry for that because we have to have a backup water source right now, and that's what's driving the whole factor. We don't have a backup. We supply it for Chatham. Had to do so, you know, numerous times, uh, probably uh, over 10 times since I've been in office. And so uh, we don't have a backup, and that's what it's all about is the uh, communities that have a reliable, efficient quantifiable water resource are the ones that will grow and sustain in the future. And you just look around the country and around the world for that factor. And water is going to be a limited resource or a gaining value through time. And so I think from that perspective, uh, I think it will be supported because, you know, who would have thought we'd have a hundred year pandemic and everything else that's happening. So this goes along with that. This study is going to look at, at five different options of which Hunter Lake is only one. There's also looking at a mix of groundwater and surface water or just dredging Lake Springfield. Is there no chance any of these other options are, are viable? Well, that's what the that's why they want us to go through the process and that's the uh, reason for the study because the Army Corps wants to make sure they've uh, looked under every rock and you know did what they needed to do to uh, make sure when they uh, grant a permit that it can withstand any scrutiny. We'll uh, obviously continue to follow along with that. Uh, but the, so I, sorry to interrupt. The one item that I put back to them, you know, because they're fearful of lawsuits, going litigation, things of that, that nature. What happens if there is a severe drought and they do not grant us a secondary water source? I mean, that's catastrophic. And so I said, you know, you have to think about the flip side of it uh, from that perspective because, you know, it could uh, come back the other direction and end up in litigation as well. Let's talk about uh, downtown uh, traffic. Alderman did approve last night with very little debate the uh, uh, plan to go ahead with updating uh, traffic signals downtown and mm-hmm. converting a big chunk of 4th Street and a smaller section of Adam Street to two-way traffic. So that's now going to be underway. There was a little bit of discussion about potential safety concerns, especially down by the new YMCA and by the Springfield Art Association. And this is going to be a big period of adjustment for people to, to have two-way traffic on streets that have been one way for literally decades. So uh, is it really going to be uh, worth it when it's all said and done? I think without a doubt, since 4th Street is going through transformation, you have uh, the Y Block, um, UIS is having a greater presence on 4th Street. Uh, you know, Caddy Corner from that is the ramp, that the dilapidated ramp that we took down, and then it connects up to the YMCA, the medical district. So it will be transformational. I call it the educational corridor because you have UIS and then SIU up in the medical area. But uh, what one way to two-way does, it not only slows down traffic, but also it provides future development. Uh, You know, I've talked to retailers downtown and there's some that just won't go on a one-way street because they want that that interface with both sides of traffic, but it becomes a more of a walkable, bikeable corridor too, especially when the rail goes through and moves. It's just going to help transform that area to what it should be because I see people <laughs> driving down the wrong way all the time. So we'll correct that aspect, but uh, will there be some adjustments uh, for others you know, that have been used to it without a doubt? But in the long run, uh, it's been wanted, it's been in planning, and it's one way that we finally got to the point of putting plans that have been on the books for 10 10 years or longer to action. When you make all those improvements downtown, uh, are you then going to force people to start plugging the meters again? By the time we get to that point, it's going to be almost three years since we've had to put a coin in a meter in downtown Springfield. Will people really go along with now being told you're going to have to do that again? Well, I think it's uh, a 
matter of need. And the, the reason for uh, metered parking is to move traffic. So you have the, have the preponderance of traffic, right? And that's what we're trying to drive again. And so uh, time will dictate when we make that happen. I think the state being back full-time, uh, if it gets to that point, uh, will help. Of course, you know, if you have a greater preponderance of residents downtown, that changes the, the uh, you know, the area quite a bit. And so that's what but we'll judge it on. They'll have a parking ramp right next to the to the on that particular one, Wyndham, but yeah. We've had uh, conversations or discussions with the Myers building. Uh, we had an architect come in from St. Louis, very interested in it. He's an architect, wanted to actually change it back to its original grandeur and, um, you know, make it market rate housing, especially with UIS right there. So he thought that's of interest. And so we do have the block for development. So there's a lot of moving parts still. So we're not going to lock ourselves in. But when we feel the time's right to move whatever direction that would take, the one uh, caveat that I had put out is Public Works and DSI have to get together and agree to that project plan. Because last time I thought we had them all in agreement it all fell apart uh so this time we want them in lock sync so it does move forward whatever that plan of action is and the i think part of the plan that we have coming forward that we're working towards with downtown springfield and the medical community kind of integrates infrastructure as well as you know housing development business development so it's going to take a look at that footprint in its entirety and how we make things um, integrated as best as possible so one last note is uh with that um the one ways to two ways the light uh, traffic light modernization part of that is the syntrax system that is going to allow public works to synchronize lights or change them uh you know for flashing lights things of that nature from their desktop um that's the first step in that type of integration in springfield um, and no timeline yet for returning to paid parking or making decision on returning to paid parking. You're still just playing it by ear. Right. Well, if you look at uh, our history, usually during the holidays, uh, we don't have paid parking. You know, we give a parking holiday, so to speak. Well, we're coming up on the fall. Uh, so I don't see it happening until probably um, after the holidays, at least. Okay. Uh, since the last time we talked, we have the new uh, pedestrian ordinance in place. Very busy intersections uh, covered by this, uh, more than a dozen specific intersections. Is that now being enforced, and, and is there any indication that it's making a difference early on? Yeah, I think it's making a difference. Uh, really, it's about safety, and uh, you know, the police department, uh, under the direction of Chief Scarlett, has done, they're doing a great job of outreach on many different levels, and this is one way, is to make sure people remain safe and so um you know we the complaint level if we're you know dealing with complaints or sightings uh, that's gone down it's it, it's has reduced so i don't know if people just aren't out there or if you know working with the police and Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder is with us here. Two minutes left and, and two questions left for you, Mayor. Uh, number one, we've got the final Levitt Springfield uh, concert tonight for this season. Hopefully more years of that to come. Uh, but you uh, have still pending an application for a grant to redo the North Mansion Y Block. There's also an ongoing effort to get to people to uh, submit ideas for a new name for the North Mansion Y Block. So what any status uh, updates on, on either of those? Yeah, I did get an email from uh, Deputy Governor Andy Menard that... Uh, he felt that it'd be the end of August for the announcement, so hopefully that holds true. On the Main Street grant? Correct. Yeah. And then uh, the other side of it, hopefully people do, do go to the website and, you know, enter what they'd like to call the block, you know, instead of the Y block, North Mansion block. Uh, but uh, with regards to that, uh, we have met with the neighbors around the area and... Uh, 
try to determine what's the next steps we can take. Talking with Massey Massey, that would be the um, kind of the architect for the landscape development and moving that initiative forward. And that way we'll be closer to fruition uh, once the grant is uh, um, announced. Finally, a little bit of politics this afternoon. Mm -hmm. Uh, Since uh, the last time we had this hour-long chat on this program, you now have an opponent in the race Mm -hmm. for mayor, City Treasurer Misty Busher announcing. Uh, At least five of the ten aldermen were in attendance at her announcement. At least four of them have said they're backing Misty Busher. How much does that complicate governing in Springfield, knowing that uh, nearly half the city council at least is uh, rooting for your opponent? Well, I wonder if uh, most of them were the no votes on the window or that, you know, always comes into play. Uh, but hopefully, are you uh, suggesting there was something political in that? That that well, was just to make life more difficult for you and your chances? Well, someone asked me that from the media, so uh, I'm not quite sure. But what you hope, and this is what I reiterated to them, that everybody uh, needs to stay focused on doing the people's work, and that's what it should be, and uh, doing what's in the best interest of the city. And that's how I've always approached things. So I don't worry about who's running. Uh, you always figure someone around the horseshoe involved in city government are the ones that would always be interested in the position of being mayor and uh and you know i was treasurer at one time uh taking on the you know the mayor's uh, leadership is totally entirely different uh but from that perspective that's what everything needs to be focused on and i remind my directors all the time stay focused on doing the people's work and everything else works out for itself